Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning, everyone. Or afternoon or evening or whenever you're listening to this. 2 a.m. No judgment. Whatever. Welcome to Mom's Talk Autism. Join us. We're gonna we're gonna chat all about your questions today. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. All right, so here we have today, there's me. Hi, I'm Brittany. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem, it's me. Oh, Always. I'm always the problem. <laughs> I just ask my kids. It's always my fault. I'm just getting in the Taylor vibes, you know, because yeah. it's coming. It's, it's coming. It's always, it's always good to have Taylor vibes. Um, yes. We have Tosh here. Tosh is our, our singer today. <laughs> yes. And we have our our wonderful Jean. Yes. Hi, is also Jean. here. Weenie, I'm here. Weenie, Jeannie, all the Jean. way from mean Texas. Jean y'all. Wiener machine, mean Jean Wiener machine. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm just kidding. Okay, we're not. We're no, not that. Right. I, that. I, I am Aunt Wiener. Wiener. I mean, that's not wrong. She is. Yeah, that's I what know. I'm saying. I know. That's Listen, you get your head out of the gutter, Brittany. I'm a little surprised by Brittany. Of course, it's Brittany. It's always in the gutter. It's always in the gutter. Okay. All right. So today, guys, we um, recently put up a grab bag question on our Instagram and got some great questions from some of you. We also have some previous questions from a few, I don't know, like a month or two ago that we never got to. So we're slowly making our way through the list. If you ever want to, I'll just put a little plug in now. You can always DM us on Instagram. You can always email us if you have a specific question about something. We, oh, we try to personally answer those questions um, if we can um, via, you know, DM or a return email. And then we can sometimes, if, if we feel like it's something that the audience, all of you need to hear about as well, we'll, we'll then talk about it on the show. So yeah, you can send it to us anytime. You don't have to wait for us to, to prompt for, for more questions. So welcome to the I'll- show. Welcome Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Greatest show on earth right here. (laughs) Okay. So we are going to start with a question that was submitted on Instagram. And this mama wants to know, what ages did your kids start talking? Uh, And with one word versus full sentences, you know, because the natural progression is right for any kid, typical or non, is you start with, a single word or a phrase or approximations to words that sound similar to words. And then you move on to more complex phrases and sentences, There's repto- repertoires and benchmarks for a typically developing child, which one of the measuring tools that Correct. is used in ABA, which is a VB map is measured that way in terms of those rubrics. And they don't really apply to how our kids develop speech it's kind of the wrong tool no. to be and using. That's, it's a, it, it's a question that pediatricians ask you, how many words is your child saying? You know, that kind of thing. And so that's why people ask and they want to know, you know, that's how that's how it's addressed in the medical field. Now, we have a whole episode about gestalt language processing. 
with oh. our wonderful Katya. Please go back and listen to that and how some kids don't develop their language that way. So just keep that in mind. I mean, they don't develop the language the way we just spoke about how it's just one word and then you build on it. You know, it's it goes more in a chunk mm-hmm. or in it's it's not a typical um, building block of one word and then two words and then three words. It's it goes more in a cluster, um, and it, and it can manifest itself in um, echolalia and other like uh, imitation first, etc. So anyway, I'm not the expert on that. I have not. I'm just, you're you're carrying just you're carrying that very well. You're doing very well. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you, thank you. Go listen mm-hmm. to Kachi though. She's the expert, uh, mm-hmm. and we we would really love to have her on again soon. So anyway, but the idea is just keep that in mind, right? Um, we can talk about what our kids have and haven't done, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your child is going to do the same thing. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, Jean, why don't you go ahead and tell us about Rory and McKenna and their language development? Okay, so. <clears throat> That is one of the, uh, obviously one of the biggest signifiers once it came down to diagnostic criteria uh, for Rory's autism diagnosis. But what what was observed from the very beginning, so obviously at that 12-month mark, there's a repertoire of sounds and words a child at that age should have. And he never fully had that. He had maybe like one-fifth. So let's say he had like, 10 words and sounds that he was making that would have fit in that, but he was reaching, acquiring all of his other, other milestones. So because there is that narrative out there, I just want to let you know, like what the background thing cycling like, you know, in, in my head was the narrative is that boys are late talkers and that's not always an indication of a developmental delay, blah, 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 blah. Right. And that was being kind of probed and prompted throughout, whether it be from our medical professionals and other family members who also are in the medical profession and just, you know, society in general, you know, so, uh, you know, then the fifth, the fifth 18 month mark, and then the two-year-old mark, again, we saw an increase in that repertoire, but still the gap just got bigger there, even though there was more words acquired, but there was more expectations for more words and language to be developed at that specific time. So that was kind of alarming. Then we, after he was two years old, we made our venture across the country from Baltimore, moving from Baltimore, Maryland to Texas, Austin, Texas. And he, um, you know, I'm talking with my hands right now for any of the listeners, you can imagine I'm just like using my hands, like reaching across. Um, But uh, he well, we didn't notice it right away because we were just so inundated. I literally had given birth to McKenna like three weeks after we had moved and I had been on modified bed rest as well. Things were just really intense and a lot of changes. I think it was maybe like, so we moved at the end of mid and November that following January. So maybe two, two and a half months later, we noticed that he only had two or three words and it was limited to mom and dad, and there was nothing else that he was saying. Like maybe there were some vocalizations, but it was really strange. And I didn't know how to interpret that. But again, the same narratives kept hopping up. Oh, well, you just moved. Oh, boys are late talkers. I wouldn't be too concerned. Everything else is developing fine. Um, you know, according to them, right? Even though obviously we noticed... <laughs> other things. And them, you mean like doctors or family and friends, all of the above? All of the above. Okay. All of the above for sure. Sorry, let me be specific there. But my friend um, was a speech language pathologist, not not working with the pediatric population, but she had a child that was the same age as Rory. Um, She was able to funnel me some foundational tools for like to generate, to have to agitate and generate and prompt for some language development. And I tried that for about nine months and I was like, I'm not getting anywhere. And he was approaching the age of three. And even though the pediatrician at the time was in the sat in the, the wheelhouse of mm, boys are late talkers, sometimes five and six year olds just randomly start talking and, you know, not, they didn't, they didn't think that was a, any indication for anything, whatever. 
I said, I really think we should just maybe get him evaluated for his speech. This is me finally getting on board. Like every pediatric appointment we had for like a milestone checkup, the only thing that Brad was kind of paying attention to was like, oh, well, what did, you know, those, could you fill out all those parent assessments and submit that to your pediatrician? I'm like, well, what did, you know, pediatrician say? And, you know, how did you answer this question? In the in the very beginnings, like that first year, year and a half, he was attending those appointments. So he was there for them. And that was part of a point of conflict that we had because we didn't necessarily agree on how the questions were being answered um, from like a collective standpoint, like we weren't on the same page there, but uh, he, the pediatrician was like, okay, well, it can't hurt. So let's just get a speech assessment done. So I began because it was being downplayed so much. And I referenced this in other episodes or whatever it's, when we finally got the assessment done and they, the delivered diagnostic criteria was he had severe excessive or sorry, severe re- uh, receptive and expressive speech delay. And I was like, oh, my God, yeah. you know, so then. So when he received that diagnosis, you, you'd say he had like two or three words at that mm-hmm. point. And okay. then and he, that's like age three. Yes. He was just, he had just turned three. Um, and then he's, we start speech and we start to see, you can start to see a difference. Um, but with that came other things, but his speech, as soon as he started with the intervention of speech therapy, and then we got took on other therapies, you saw these instantaneous jumps, you know, especially in the beginning, it's like you see this yeah. very accelerated level of gains. And there's there's areas where we saw lulls. Um, but but I will say at no point was there ever a regression in his speech. There's always been progress. Maybe we've had to revisit and had to do some maintenance, you know. Uh, man, of of so kind of like revisiting some older concepts, but being it's very strategic about how to do that because a lot of times they can do that as a practice, and they get clinicians get stuck in that, and the kids get bored and they get frustrated, and that can generate behaviors. And we definitely had our periods of ex- experiencing that when he started ABA we experienced that big acceleration, like in a large way. And of course they're using the VB map to measure his speech. And it was kind of like, we were steadily moving at this like real nice pace, but you get to the end of filling out the rest of that grid and completing what would be, you know, considered all the prerequisite skills to speech and language. I think it would measures, it's supposed to measure up to like three years old or four years old, something like that. And, um, he was not, it, it was like not closing that gap. And then, then there was this, there was this point of contention that we were experiencing with therapists because we weren't on the same, they, they were, they were like, well, some therapists wouldn't move to the next rubric because this rubric wasn't complete. And I would say that that was total and, and especially in a lot of like neuro, newer neurodiversity affirming therapist would totally disagree and disapprove of that approach. And I'm glad that I was advocating for it saying, no, let's just move to the other one. He's willing to still learn additional skills, even if there may be not skills in this particular area yet, maybe they'll come and trail behind. And I had, I had, um, people explain to me that our kids, and this is before even understanding Gestalt language speakers, our kids are, they have scissor skills, right? So it's like, they're, their progress is just not linear. They may like jump mm-hmm. ahead and like master something in a completely different arena. Um, but anyway, so where Rory is now, he's now nine, going to be 10. Um, I would say he started coming into uh, more sentences, sort of structured kind of sentence, like language, like last year. And now... I mean, it's still very, 
it's not, it's not just, you can't have a smooth conversation with Rory, but you can be more conversational right. with him. Um, the language keeps developing and he's kind of, he, he, this last six months, he's having a developmental burst for sure in the area of language. And so it's like, he's not, it's not, it's not stopping. There's been no plateau for him. Um, mm-hmm. And that's very positive. Which thing. is amazing. It's totally yeah. amazing. It's completely amazing. It's, you know, it just, you know, and where I was feeling frustrated when he was four and five about like, I was thinking and a lot, because people always put our kids in boxes. Love it. Mm-hmm. You know, that the girls that have early intervention can acquire and are speaking by like four and five. And then the boys are speaking more, you know, at seven, eight and nine. And as I s- started to see that, I thought I kind of, s- it's odd. I set my expectations kind of there, just kind of getting a pulse or just measuring like how Rory's speech was developing. It's like, if I see where this is going, this is probably where we're going to land. Um, and it just, that seemed kind of, it seems kind of accurate, but it was not, again, it hasn't been linear. It hasn't been all smooth. And there's been periods of time where we just focus too long on one thing before moving to the other. But, um, so, Hold on to that thought and let's circle back to the typical kids in a second. I want to hear about Jack now and let's, because mm-hmm. it's polar yeah. opposite than Rory. Okay, exactly. So the, <laughs> and, let's and talk just, about that for a second. Yeah. And just so that everybody out there remembers, Jack and Rory are the same age. They are what, five months yeah. four, apart? Four months because yeah. Rory's end of four, August. Four months apart? Yeah. End of August. That's right. Okay. Yes. Um, and so literally to a T because I that think was, this is the 24th. So Jack's a Christmas baby. Yes. 24th. Yeah. 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 So, uh, they are neck and neck, but, but our situation was very, very different. Um, Jack being a preemie, you know, there's always the, the talk about, um, about, the delays in, in all areas. And so we are fully prepared for that. But, um, I was just looking back at photos and videos and Jack was completely, um, typically developing in the speech realm, um, you know, for his age. Um, and then, and then also for being uh, a preemie, he was, he was totally catching up to that one year mark. Like they, like they predict, um, will happen. Uh, I'm trying to think back though, to, um, it was about the a ride around the eighteen to a um, to two year mark that uh, we, when we would read books with Jack, he would um, just be able to look at the book and and just recite what the mm-hmm. page said. He didn't know how to read. He still doesn't know how to read, you guys. <laughs> um, but he could he could he had memorized it and just by the look of the, of the picture and, and whatever he could recite that entire, um, page. So it, it, it was hard for us. There were the other, the other, you know, benchmarks that we were recognizing with, you know, him there possibly being something, you know, him on the, we didn't know on the spectrum, some kind of delay, um, with the occupational side of it, et cetera. Um, but the speech was, he was right on track with the speech. Now, he did get into early intervention. Um, with early intervention, they uh, test you either in or out of um, the public school district at the age of three. Jack was tested out. So again, we just thought, you know, okay, there's just some delays in the other areas. Uh, but then moving forward, when we moved into um, Jack going into a preschool, pre-preschool, because he went in at the age of I believe he was, he was probably like two and a half because he was in preschool for for almost three years of before he did, you know, kindergarten. Um, And he, and he had gone into a, like a co-op and that is where, that is where we really noticed. You can compare. The comparison. And so I don't want to use the word regression because I, you know, cause I'm like trying to jog my memory. Cause I don't really think that there was like this quote unquote regression, but, um, it, there was a vast difference in, you know, him in comparison to these I mean, other the disparity. I'm going to say that. 
Yeah, that 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 you know other children, but boys especially. Um, so <clears throat> that's when we moved forward with the you know getting him into you know getting him on the uh, the testing and all that. And about that time is when we started doing the the private. You know, we went out and got a private um, speech test done, um, and he did have he was delayed in his speech, and it wasn't it wasn't like you know, Rory's situation, but there was enough where it was like, yes, we, he needs speech therapy services. So Uh, when he was starting that preschool, was he saying like single words? Was he saying phrases? No, he was saying phrases. Yeah. He was saying, yep. He was, like I said, like all the benchmarks for like, you know, uh, single words. Then, then when you're, when you're there, you know, combining words together and sentences, that was all there. Typical. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, it was, he was in a normal, I hate using that word, but you know what I'm saying? He was in the range. Gosh, darn it. What am I? Doing? Yeah. You, no, you're, you're doing I don't great. Keep going. anybody or anything. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, we, there, there wasn't that thought, you know, but it, but it wasn't until we got him, like I said, into a class, like a classroom setting, you know, that we started noticing, okay, there is a there is a pretty significant difference between him and the other children. And really what we noticed was he's not, um, he's reciting yeah. <laughs> things that he's memorized. You know, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't this, typical. Speaking. Well, and th- this, this is, is totally his jam. This is, he still does this even now, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, yesterday he just, I wish I would have caught it on videotape. He recited probably an entire scene from a movie, you know, so it's, and Jack, and now you guys, Jack being nine years old, going into the fourth grade this next year, um, he can have, you, and you girls have all witnessed this. He can have, um, I would say generally speaking, a a good pragmatic conversation with you. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's still not, you know, it is not to the level that he should be at for a, you know, almost fourth grader. Right. Um, but it is very different than Rory in that sense too. Um, you know, they, Jack and Rory are very, very different, but a lot of Jack's speech is scripting still, you know, um, he can tell you what he wants. He can tell you when he's mad at you, but there is still a lot of that integrated scripting to where you have to go. Okay. What is he really? Hold on. I have to, (laughs) this is when he asked for the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. This is a perfect example. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, that I was like, he came upstairs and he's asking for this. So I'm like, okay, he's never had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Not that I know. And if he would have had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, Tyler would have told me because this would be a freaking milestone, excuse me, you know? And, um, but I was fully, I was fully ready for him to ask for this peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then refuse it because he's like, no, duh, I'm just. And you thought he was like quoting a show or something. Maybe I just thought he was. Yeah. You know, I just thought he was. And, and then when he was able to tell me, I'm like, where did you have this sandwich? And he said, I had it in speech with my speech therapist. My, 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 that's exactly, that was exactly. I'm like, I need to know the details because I want to make sure this isn't coming from some cartoon you were watching. Uh, and, and no, so he was able to tell me, you know, not extreme details, but he was able to say, I had it with my speech teacher and my friend, Troy. Um, so where Sloan would be able to explain Sloan being my typical child, you guys would be able to explain exactly when, what, why, and you know, all the things it's like, Jack, I have to question sometimes, is this, is this coming from, you know, it's perfectly correlated, right? He's using it in the perfect, perfect way, but it's usually coming from some, some book, movie, show, et cetera. Yeah. I have to, I have yep. to, yeah. so Rory obviously is a big scripter too. And that's, and that's what we've seen. There's more, more uh, longer extensions of that scripting and not such yes. short things, but this morning, like, <laughs> This has already happened before, but now he's like got this, the, like the vocalization mastered. He, so he likes to watch opening openings to movies and certain production companies that he likes. So even if he doesn't see the movie, he wants to hear the sound and he knows the music and he can do it to all of them. Well, there's this opening to, I think it's a touchstone picture. And it, uh, I think it's, it has a, it's Arabic music and he is like singing 
this morning and I'm like I'm like um okay yeah it's pretty I mean you know Jack will recite things that words that I don't even know right like yeah. saying them and I'm like I'm gonna have to look this up I don't even and yeah. he doesn't know what it means either, but he, his language in that sense is pretty amazing. He just, right. I don't know that he knows exactly what he's saying, you know? Sure. So. Or comprehend. very interesting. It. I mean, yeah. Yeah, comprehend. Yeah. We, we, we just got his report card, you know, for the end of the school year. And, uh, Jack is, um, reading at a, Jack is at a first grade level, um, but his reading um, particularly is at a uh, first grade level reading at a 71% accuracy. Mm-hmm. Very good. So, actually. Um, no, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, here saying right. like, you know, but just, just to give the kind of the understanding to everybody, you know, Jack is going into the fourth grade. So um, yeah. So it's crazy. Well, and I'll tell I'll, us all the things, Brittany. <laughs> I'll jump in with Ruby, who is also the same yes. age. Um, this yes. is a really good little, you know, yeah. sampling yeah. Here, <laughs> yeah. of nine, 10 year old time frame. Yeah. Nine, ten, it give, gives you an option of, you know, an idea. So Ruby will be in fourth grade in the fall as well. And she uh, developed her language slightly differently than your boys. So uh, we have already had a child diagnosed with autism at the point when Ruby was born and um, had been in that world for many years. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. I was very much on the watch for anything that looked quote, you know, autistic or autism related because I was very familiar with that and, and knew it was a, a possibility that, you know, we could have other children with a diagnosis. So I was very hyper aware of her development and looking into especially speech. That's usually the indication for most people, not always, um, but it's a good place to start. And uh, the child between Austin and Ruby Tyler had speech delay and we did speech therapy for him. He's never been diagnosed with autism. He is not autistic, but he did do speech therapy as a toddler and preschooler and then quote graduated out of speech therapy. He is now in typical school and needs no additional support in any way um, academically. So I don't think I ever knew that. I didn't know Tyler had speech therapy. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, we did speech. We did an early intervention speech and then we did a preschool that was an integrated speech therapy preschool. They had some typical kiddos in there and that was like three, t- three days a week for like two hours, you know, nothing, but it, he still, he still remembers Miss, Miss G. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, that was a great, um, gr- it, it really helped him a lot. It was, it was appropriate and it did what it was meant to do. And he was ready for kindergarten because we had him in that program. We didn't have any other, you know, autistic behaviors or other indicators that we needed to take it further than that for Tyler. So I'm kind of thinking that's where my head is when Ruby is showing some speech delay. Oh, okay. We're going to head down this path again. It's probably similar to Tyler. Um, and, and so that's where I started was with the speech. Um, we got her tested. Sure enough. Yep. She was delayed in her speech. We got her involved in some of the same programs. She might, I think she even had some of the same teachers, speech therapist, early intervention teachers. Um, and then it became very clear as, as she approached her um, third birthday, that there was more going on here. We were noticing a lot of um, frustrations and behaviors and things her speech was not developing as Tyler's did. Um, like the, the programs we had in place, she wasn't progressing at the same speed and that's fine. But at the same time, I being hyper aware, no, well, it just, just test, let's just test it. Let's just, I, I would like some further testing on this. I would like to fill out some things. I would like to talk to a school psychologist. I would like to talk to, a medical psychologist, you know, in the medical field. And we're just going to do, I'm checking all the boxes because if you guys know, that's my jam. I, I know. I'm glad that you just said that. You just led into exactly what was going on in my mind. I was like, if only anybody knows that this is totally Brittany, if everybody's brain could just operate like Brittany's, I was so calmly like, mm, I 
would like to see the following just, things. Let's happen. just check it all out. Yeah. I, I just want to, I want to like make, like, we're just going to rule things out. Exactly. Like that's how I go. So that's, that's my life. So anyway, we got her tested and things and I didn't really think that she was going to um, get a di- an autism diagnosis. Secretly, this is maybe this is weird to hear, but I think this is an important point. Secretly, I was hoping she would. I was hoping she would because that means I was going to be able to get more support. Ooh. I was going to be I, – I would rather have a diagnosis and have more programs and therapies and opportunities presented and offered to me that then I can choose from as opposed to my child not getting a diagnosis or not getting the quote approval from the experts that saying, yes, they need this. And then me having to fight for those services that I think are appropriate. uh, Give me an A. A. I got your A. I got your accessibility. That's what you want. Like that's what we're, that's what you want. Yeah. And I'm not saying lie. (laughs) Please don't lie. Like be accurate on your, right on your, you know, filling out of forms or, or right. talking to the doctors. But you already knew what but came do not downplay that. it. Right. Yeah. 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 But you, yeah. you knew. I'm like, a seasoned parent. You, you knew what, if she got that diagnosis, other parents didn't, wouldn't know that. Right. You no, know? you need to be brutally honest with yourself and with, um, yes. with the doctors and the professionals that are trying to help you. And if you're waffling between one and two numbers, like, oh, I don't know, is this a three or a four on the bubble sheet or whatever, mm-hmm. choose the higher one, choose the one that is more severe. If it truly right. is like, oh, this could go either way, choose the more severe option because it is better for you to have the, you know, get the diagnosis and be offered services than for you to be like, man, they're right on the edge, but too bad. You missed it by two points. You don't get to qualify for this service. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just better. Anyway, complete side note. Sorry there. No, Uh, but that's what we did for Ruby. And we got, we got the speech um, started and with the speech for Ruby, it just, because she wasn't progressing, she was aware she was um, she knew what was going on. She wanted to communicate as a young toddler, three and four years old, but she was so frustrated by her inability to communicate effectively verbally that it it developed into a lot of really hard behaviors. Her threes, the terrible threes, you know, terrible twos are nothing, you guys. It's the terrible threes, really. Mm-hmm. It was really, really hard. Um, she just, she really struggled. Um, with um, being able to to tell us what she wanted or what she didn't want, and us being able to uh, verbalize things in a way that she would be able to comprehend, um, we worked through those. We did speech therapy. It was a lot of very very short one word um, communication at that age, and it has very slowly and steadily developed over time. She is now nine years old. We are now to the point, we, we do scripting too. Like right now, an example for us of scripting is we're really into Bluey. And there's an episode in season three called um, Bin Night. And where uh, oh, yeah. the, the dad and the girls take the garbage cans out to the curb. And it's, you know, it's over several days, like several weeks. And it's showing every night that they take the gar- and the conversations they're having. And, um, I, oh, actually I think it's anyway, um, Bluey asks every once in a while what she can be when she grows up. Like she'll say, can I be an astronaut when I grow up? Can I be a school teacher? Like she I'm changes whatever the you did not use the accent when you just said that. I, I am not an accent <laughs> person. No, sorry. I will butcher it and people will be offended. So absolutely not. <laughs> but, um, but the mom always responds with, yeah, if you'd like, like, and so that's what Ruby does now. And she'll, she first started off quoting whatever exactly those occupations that Bluey was um, mentioning, but now she's kind of generalized it beyond that. And if she sees a job or something, she'll just say it like, mom, can I be a librarian when I grow up? And I, and I have to respond, you know, as mom would respond. And I say, yeah, if you like, and she goes, hooray, <laughs> just like Bluey. But we're, then we have a conversation about being a librarian, you know, it opens the door. So, but, but it's totally scripted. Like she was, she's not coming up with that spontaneously. Right. Um, so we're, we're at that phase, but, but there's a level of her 
um, generalizing it or adding in her own uh, words. You know, it's not completely scripted. And then she is starting to ask, sorry, ask open-ended questions. That is a huge development for us. It's very sparse. It's few and far between, but it is happening. We went by, we drove by a, um, a Burger King that was being renovated that we take Austin to often because he likes chicken fries at Burger King, which are the most disgusting things. I'm sorry, Burger King, but they're really gross. Anyway, Austin loves them. Uh, but this particular Burger King uh, was under construction and down for you know a period of time. Well, it turns out they're changing it into a Starbucks. It's not a Burger King anymore. And so it was finally done. The construction was done. They got the Starbucks sign up and we passed by it. And Ruby looked at it and she goes, what happened to that Burger King? Completely out of the blue. I was shocked. I almost slammed on the brakes. I was like, what? <laughs> what did you just say? Because there's no script for that anywhere. Yes. But yep. to have her ask, to have that thought and then be able to articulate it in a way that I understood it. And it was yeah. appropriate for the setting because we had just passed Did by you it. Just, and then we're like, you know, thank you for also pointing it out to your brother who's going to flip out. Yeah, that, I know. That, that, now going to have where, trouble. Where are my chicken fries? Where am I going to get my chicken fries Where's now? These disgusting chicken oh, fries. Luckily, we have another one nearby. But yeah, so, and I explained to her, oh, well, they changed it. Now it's a Starbucks. She's like, oh, I said, you can go get a cake pop there now. She's like, great. Like she was all for it now because she loves those cake yes. pops. So anyway, it was just so interesting and it was, that's the kind of thing we're talking about, right? Right. The peanut butter yes. and jelly sandwich. Yes. Noticing a yep. building change and her being able to acknowledge it and then communicate it to me. That's where we're at. Now, a typical fourth grader, that's no problem. Like that's right. like every day of the week, all day long, whatever. And and even younger than that. But for us, that's a huge deal. And so yes. that's kind of where we're all at. Um, Ruby is, she can have a conversation. It is... Um, it is not at a fourth grade level. I'd say it's more maybe a first or second grade level as far as phrasing, um, the depth mm -hmm. of the conversation, the comprehension, but it is there and it continues to grow. Um, mm -hmm. It's very interesting though, not all language, it, just spoken language isn't always the best developmental um, indicator, right? She reads at a fourth grade level. Right. She can pronounce any word. She can sound it out. She, she loves fancy Nancy books, um, some of the higher up, like step into reading um, versions. She can read the French words in there. She can read, I mean. <laughs> Isn't it so crazy how different she can, she can read the three anything. of them are? Yeah. She's reading chapter books now. Um, we started, we've Unicorn Diaries and Owl Diaries. Those are great ones to start with if you have someone who's interested in those animals. Um, she, she, she reads a chapter every night before she goes to bed. Now, if you ask her yeah, what happened this, in the book, she might not be able right, to tell you. Yes, yeah. But she yeah. can literally read all the words to you. So, yeah. you know, it's so, it's so complicated. <laughs> Definitely, you know, just to plug again, uh, Katya's episode, go go back yeah. and listen to that episode if you guys have not, um, bo the Boho Speechy episode we've done, and, and follow her because it is so interesting to um, – she has a wonderful Just example. Learn. She's she is yes, she is a wealth of of knowledge. So yeah, and um, some, there's others out there similar. I would any any yes. speech therapist that um, is involved with and supports the Gestalt language processing mm -hmm. model, I would I would highly recommend. Uh, Ruby is definitely a Gestalt language processor. Like that's right learner. That's right. that's what she is, and I think all of our yeah. kids are. So yeah. um, to, at least to some degree, mm -hmm. uh, it. It, it just makes so much more sense. And it's it's just a different way of processing and expressing language. You want to talk about Austin? Um, yeah. I do, really quick. This might be a whole episode about speech, guys, and that's fine. So um, Austin um, has never really had spoken language, ever. Uh, I know there are children who start off with some, some language and then around, you know, two, three there's a significant regression and then they never gain that back or they have to slowly gain it back. That does happen. That was not the case for us. Austin never had it to begin with. Um, he, every once in a while as a very young child, he would burst out a word. Um, 
but it never really, there was never a significant progress or anything that really held. Um, And that is still the case today. Uh, He does vocalize a lot. He makes a lot of noises. We've had his hearing checked. It is not a deaf or hard of hearing thing for us. He just, uh, there is a disconnect between him being able to comprehend and then being able to expressively uh, form words and, and communicate. Right. So um, even now though, every once in a while, you really have to pay attention and you really have to be tuned into him. You can approx, I can hear approximations for words. Um, an example that I could give, um, we, he'll, he'll just, he'll hit grandpa on his iPad. So he has a, an AAC device an augmented, um, what's the acronym? I just lost it. Augmented assisted, augmented auxiliary communication. Is that what it is? Anyway, whatever AAC stands for. Um, it doesn't matter. The point is it's an iPad that you push a button and it says the word for you. Right. So he was hitting grandpa, 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 grandpa. And he wanted to, yeah, I don't know if he really wanted to see grandpa or not, but he was hitting it. And then later that day he was going, over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter if in, in my opinion, whether that he really was saying grandpa or not, I am treating it as if he is. I, any, any approximations and any noises that Austin makes that I can find an appropriate way that I, I think it fits into the setting that we're in. I treat it as if he is speaking to me. Yeah. Because I want to encourage that behavior, whether or not it's always true or he's being intentional about it, right? Um, and I think he is sometimes. And I think other times he probably isn't. But that's not for me to distinguish. I'm just going to positive, positively reinforce any language that I hear that I think is appropriate and fits the settings. So, um, and then every once in a while, Gal, probably just a handful of times every year, a word will just burst out of his mouth. We'll be in the backyard and an airplane will go overhead and he'll say airplane (laughs) just out of the blue. It's never been more than one word, but, um, and then you won't hear it again for, I mean, not even, it won't even be airplane again in six months. It'll be a different word, but it'll be months before we hear that again. Um, and I'm sure I'm missing some things too, right? Sometimes maybe I'm not on my a game and I'm not paying attention enough and that can happen, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, but I always try to acknowledge it when I can. Come on. <laughs> yes, we all <laughs> we all can't operate at 150 percent all the time. It's true. But yeah, it's it's a challenge. Um, the hardest parts for me with speech and for any parent out there is when he is trying to say something and I cannot find an approximation or a way that it fits appropriate, but he keeps making the sound over and over and over again. And that's when it really, really hurts. And I feel like I'm failing as his parent. And I just want to acknowledge that in case that is happening to you out there, listeners. Um, and in those in those moments where he's frustrated and he keeps making those same noises over and over and over again, and I'm racking my brain trying to figure out what he's saying or what he's trying to tell me. I just look into his eyes and I sometimes I grab his face because <laughs> he he likes to cuddle and get close. And I just look into his eyes and I just I just tell him, I say, Austin, I'm hearing you, I'm listening. I don't understand, but I'm listening to you. Okay. I just need you to know. I just need you to keep trying. Just keep trying. And I will always, always listen to you. Sorry. <laughs> And, um, that's all you can do sometimes. That's, that's all you can do. So please, please don't ever give up if if that's, that's, if that's where you're at with your child, no matter what age. So there's a couple, there's a couple things that this was all such a good variation of examples, um, for, for all of like our community and our the listeners listening right now. Um, but a couple of things I wanted to say, uh, to make sure again, like that are, that are, that people know that language is not just what's spoken. And even those that do speak, yes. all of us are, you know, fluent in our, our speech and language. 
you know, 57% of all languages spoken is nonverbal language. And so, That's an excellent point. so I think it's very yes. important to keep that in mind that it's speech is not, is not everything. I, in the very beginning of our journey and I got Rory into this specialized private school that was geared towards kids with speech delays. And there was a parent seminar I was pulled into and Rory's four years old at the time. And they're, and they're saying you need to mentally prepare for your child never to speak. And so I remember sitting in those spaces. And if you're sitting in a space like that and people are feeding that information, or if you, if that fear is overrunning you, I think that everything that we express today is a good reminder of do not let that fear rule you. Do not let that rule your decisions. Don't let that determine the outcome for your child. It's so easy to get in that headspace. And I think that's important to Mm -hmm. share because I feel like that's, that is where that question comes from. That question Mm -hmm. that we got comes from the space of, is my child ever going to speak? And it's this comparison. I remember asking the professionals, his speech therapist at the time, the ABA therapist at the time and saying, what's your, you know, over under when you think Rory's going to talk, do you think he's going to talk? You know, rightfully so their response is, I can't give you that answer. I don't have that answer for you. I'm sure they want to- As frustrating as it is. I I think they had their speculations. I'm also guaranteed that they'd have their speculations on that. But even as professionals, clinically, they cannot provide that information to you. They can't can't tell you. And so it's, I feel like to me, in my heart, in my head, I feel like that was why we were getting that question. And so if that is where you're sitting in, know that. I remember being in that space and I'm glad I didn't, I didn't accept that by the way. I was very, actually very put off by the fact that we were having that conversation at four years old to have to think about considering that and thinking that was all, I knew that that wasn't the depth of what speech is. I mean, that was a hard concept for Brad to understand. That was something we were butting up against all the time because he was like, speech and language aren't the same thing. They're interconnected. Language is a multitude of things. It's not just, yeah. it's not the spoken word, you know, so he, he couldn't, mm-hmm. couldn't gravitate or grapple, couldn't, or he couldn't disseminate between those two concepts. So anyway, I do think yeah. we have more time There's for grab back questions. <laughs> I don't know when well, we started. We're, we're, we probably, I, I don't want to try to do a different subject and then not be able yeah. to give that subject it's due. Right. Right. Yes. But yeah. maybe we can, maybe we can do like an adjacent question um, real quick. So well, and, okay. go ahead, Tosh. No. And I just wanted to say, um, you know, where, where you professionals are professional, but they are not everything. The, the three of the four of us girls are, are, we are only barely professionals of our own children and not even then. Right. Um, and, and our stories are just that they are our stories. Um, and obviously similar and, and vastly different at the same time. So if you are sitting in that, like Jean said, in that, in that situation, is my child ever going to speak or, or maybe you're like my situation where Jack started talking right away, but it's the, it is just the, the, um, not mimicking. What am I trying to say? Imitation. Yeah. Yes. The, the echolalia. It's yeah. echolalia. There we go. Um, you know, it, it's going to be just different for each one of you. So, so yes, very much like you said, Jean, don't, don't sit in that. Always go with your gut feeling as the, as the parent to these children, you know, and um, yeah, I, I mean. Yeah. And in that same vein, this is my question, right? This is my adjacent question that we can each answer, hopefully, uh, briefly, <laughs> saying that for myself, just as much as you do. Um, what, a- out of all of the speech, quote, speech therapy or interventions or things that you've done for speech specifically, which therapy treatments program have you felt has been the most effective or helpful for your child? Where, where did you see the most progress? Um, if you can pinpoint it to like a specific teacher or a way that uh, an approach that was used that was the most helpful, 
um, think about that. Um, I, I can start if you guys are, you, are still. You can start. Yeah, I do have an answer. But okay. Okay. All right. So for for like Tyler, for instance, who was doing his speech therapy as a young child, we did a program called Writing Without Tears. Um, and that one, uh, really worked well for him. Um, it made sense to him and it was taught in a way that made sense and at his level, at his level that was appropriate. And I really, um, commend that program. I thought it was good. It's not perfect. It's not for everybody, but it worked that that's a good one that I can recommend. Um, for Ruby, where we saw the most progress and the most change in her speech at that young toddler age was having her in a classroom, a preschool classroom that was integrated, meaning approximately half of the children had some kind of developmental delay. It did not necessarily mean to be autism. It was, there's Down syndrome. There's all sorts of different diagnoses in that classroom. And then the other half of the children were typical peers, um, whether they were siblings or a friend or a cousin, or, you know, just kids in the neighborhood who wanted to do some preschool. Um, and that classroom, it was it was at an elementary school. It was a kindergarten like classroom, about appro- about the size of a kindergarten classroom, and there was about twenty kids in the class. So it was about as similar as you could get to a kindergarten class, but with all the extra support of having the ma- the head teacher be a special education teacher with proper training and appropriate amount of aids for the classroom. Um, it was every day of the week, which is really, really important for routine and repetition for the kids, but it was a shortened day. Mm-hmm. And I really commend that program that my school district has. That was That's literally the school district I live in has that program. And uh, it was really, really good for her. It That classroom and that class prepared her for kindergarten. Yes. She was more prepared for kindergarten because of that particular situation. Now that situation for Austin would not have been appropriate. So mm-hmm. you, it's just wherever your gonna, child is and finding the right program for them. So, yeah, Jean, I'm going to go next because I'm going to just piggyback right off of Brittany. Okay. Same, same, uh, exact same situation for Jack. It was when we got him into the school district on his IEP in preschool and it was almost probably an identical program. It was an integrated program. It was, you know, that with a uh, specialized teacher, so a SPED teacher um, with the appropriate amount of, you know, paraeducators. Um, but it was set up exactly the same, like a kindergarten setting and really um, pushing forward for that um, integration into a gen ed uh, kindergarten classroom. So Jack l- was completely ready for kindergarten. And by the time he hit kindergarten and middle of kindergarten, it was, everything was by peer example. He was following by peer example. So, and that's, that's such a good point too, really quick. So for you, Jack was able to go into a gen ed kindergarten because of that Mm -hmm. program and that extra support he had. Despite Ruby being in that program and we making leaps leaps and bounds, Ruby did not go to a gen ed kindergarten. It was deemed, she was tested. We had everything looked at right before kindergarten. And she is still, she was put into, it's called um, SDC here, special day class. And it's uh, it's a a special needs class. Now she spends half of her day or most of her day in SDC. And then she goes to a gen ed class for certain points of her day. Right now that is appropriate for her. But even if you do those kinds of programs, it isn't a guarantee that they're going to be ready for gen ed. Just keep that in mind. Okay. So let me make it a little addendum to that. (laughs) We're taking over Jane. Sorry, Jean. So Jack is same thing. I I misspoke when I said that Jack is in our, the program that he is in is that he graduated from his preschool was into the, um, into the IAP program, which is the um, integrated academic program. So where Got he it. does spend a percentage of his day in the SPED room, which is called Fox Camp for us. And then um, and then a portion of his day in his gen ed, uh, you know, whatever grade he's in. So same thing. Okay. okay. No. So now that we cleared all that up. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, I mean, and that's, that's also state for the record. And I think this is a hard concept to have or hard concept to get behind because it's special ed is so siloed still in people's mentalities is that our kids are general education students first and foremost all the time all day every day of the week and it's very hard to wrap your head around I don't care 
how many needs your child has and always know that they, they are part of that space for, um, yeah. When you have an IEP, there should be a general education teacher at your IEP meeting as well. In in addition to any special education teachers. Absolutely. Um, so I would say too, so, cause I work in the school district as a trustee, um, there's different variations of that handwriting with no tears, um, program. So programs like the ones that Brittany mentioned, there's even further developed new stuff out there. And so your school mm-hmm. district may have some of that integrated into their curriculum as a part of their intervention plan. So even if let's say your child doesn't have an educational plan, doesn't have an IEP or 504, any of that, know that your school districts also have three tiered intervention plans and they have curriculum like that. And so you can always ask for that too. So if you are in the beginning stages of like thinking about assessments and what that could look like, know that that's a, that's a question you can ponder um, without having to be so hard and fast right into, all right, my child, I need a full assessment for my child. And I think they need more supports and resources. There's definitely different ways to, to kind of go about it. So when you mentioned that, it just kind of prompted me for that. Because again, our, our community is all in different places with where, where uh-huh. their kids are at. Uh-huh. Um, and we just don't know what's out there. You know, we don't know until we're in this arena. Uh, so I would say, my, my answer to this question is more of a strategy that was adopted, not particularly necessarily one mythology or therapy, because for Rory, I feel yeah. like it was, it was a multifaceted approach that I took mm-hmm. on. And so where we really saw things align and congeal in how he was doing well. And I was, I, was, he got a speech and OT team that operated together and we had a uh, oral motor specialist come in and that identifying these certain oral motor things and applying that and roping that into his occupational and speech therapy program integrated into his ABA therapy. He was also the, the whole unit was synergistically working together where you saw we, we really got to see this, these huge developmental burst of language. And at the same turning point in tandem, what happened was, is that I had him in integrated classrooms. So first he was in a, just a general education preschool before diagnosis or like the initial stages of diagnosis. And then when I did mainstream him into a public school setting and I sought out a school district that had that integrated program. It's not the fixed model here in Texas. Not every school district has this model. We Pflugerville was unique and had the Pegasus program. That's what the program was called for their PPCD program. For those students, half of the students who are typically developing peers, which actually were the students of the administrators. That's how they got to shape that program. Um, so it was all the teacher's kids in this classroom. And then you had the other kids had all different types, full range of different types of disabilities. And always keeping him in those integrated environments while also, again, synergistically working with his teams that's where I saw that. Um, the one element too, that we really believed in, or I believed in at that time was Rory's equine therapy. That was a part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. many of his occupational therapy goals focused on those core muscles. Strong core is theorized to help generate speech. Um, and so there's a huge, because equine is multi-sensory input, it really worked well into the scope of all the other therapies that we had going on at the same time. And so after he would have an equine lesson, you would see almost like, it was like all, my, all, my, all this language that wasn't there would just start coming up. Now, it was kind of fleeting. It didn't always generalize. It didn't always kind of stick around. But you just... 
we were consistent with it and why we were still working on his occupational therapy goals. They were focusing a lot on his core exercises. So you would see that kind of being, you would, it would be reinforced. So I really would just say that for us, and especially with Rory's subtype being level three on the autism spectrum, it really was this multifaceted approach. There wasn't just this like one and, thing. And those multifaceted approaches, I think we all have them for our children in some form or another. That is the most effective. That is, that is really the key. Um, is finding that cocktail of all of those things. What's your cocktail? Therapies, teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Medications, all of it together mm-hmm. can really make a difference. And it's complicated. And that's that's on us mm-hmm. parents. So um, mm-hmm. we're, we're here in that with you. So, all right. This has been amazing. This is grab bag um, speech edition. We'll call that because yes. we just talked Perfect. about speech and I think that's great. Uh, so I have a prompt for your guys's peak of the week. Oh, and, um, thank you. We'll, we'll be a little bit more specific about it. We're not sure exactly when this episode's going to drop. So Ooh. I would like to know what media, whether that's movie, TV, music, book, some kind of entertainment that you have watched, read, or listened to recently that you have enjoyed and would recommend to somebody else. Oh, what do you guys, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Montage. It's not going to be, you mean it's not appropriate? Josh loves to watch TV. Is it, is it not not PG for mom's talk autism? It's, Oh, it does not have to be PG. Just it's totally PG. I'm just like, (laughs) this is just going to show who I am as a person. And like, That's amazing. If you get down with that, then cool. If not, then I don't care. (laughs) Um, Tyler and I just recently finished the, um, the dear mama, uh, series about Tupac, his uh, life and death, um, where his mom being a huge part of it. Uh, it's a a little short docuseries. Um, and it was so good. It was so good. I mean, that's for our generation and, and, you know, me being, growing up listening to all music, but a, a majority rap music and, and Tupac being a, an essential part of, you know, of that. It was so good. Shout so out it, Baltimore School it changes. For the Arts. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That's what I'm saying. There's so many things to it that you, that probably most people don't even know, you know, and his, his mom, um, you know, being a huge, huge influence on, on how he, was such a major uh, advocate and and uh, oh my god, I could geek out to this for a long time. Seriously, just yeah, yeah just just for I mean for you know for the black community, but also I mean just for just cre- creative people. Yeah, yeah creative, just creatives. Yeah. Yes. So exactly. Tosh, I know it changes all the time, but what what um, streaming service did you use to watch that on? Do you remember? I, we watched it on Hulu. Okay. It changes, yes. but maybe it's on there right now. So check out Hulu first. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Dear mama. Okay. Jean, what do you got? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> She's giggling. I know. I know. I'm with, Talk I about know. me. Come um, on, Jean. No, I just, I didn't know. I was like, well, we could, this could be a multitude of things that she's going to recommend because Tasha's got all the things. She's, 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 one. she's a library. Um, so... I am on an Apple TV kick right now. So I finally finished mm. Ted Lasso. Uh, the so season good. three. I yeah. cried. I cried like a baby. And I was cried. like, why cried. is this over? This, I need more of this. Like it, it was so yeah. well done. Like, like yes. they went out so well. The, the messaging and that show is so powerful. Current with the times. Um, mm-hmm. it was, I think it was a, I think it was a perfect series. It ending. was. And then I don't know that you could have done anything differently. And then it. for my own enjoyment, um, I moved right on to loot, which is about a divorcee. She was a multi-billion dollar oh, divorcee. That's on, she, that's on Apple. Oh yeah. Maya with, Rudolph. Name? Maya, um, Rudolph. Um, Maya Rudolph, which I love. Oh my gosh. It is, that is hysterical. So that good. Show. So good. Yeah. I haven't seen yeah. that. Is it L U T E loot? Is that what uh, you said? No, L-O-O-T, L-O-O-T, like money, like 
Oh, loot. Okay, yeah, got it. Like, I'm like thinking she's of kind of like, like. I mean, she's kind of like this is. like mock setup of like you know uh, what's her faces uh, Bezos uh, Be- Bezos because he's like a bi- billionaire and she becomes yeah. the she it's fifty percent of all of his estate so she becomes like the third right. wealthiest. It's so it's hilarious because she's you no know, the way it's she hilarious. can deliver comedy. It's and it's done. It's just it really is well done and well written. It's a good show. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very behind um, on my TV, any kind of multimedia viewing of anything. I just have been, but um, Doug and I did sneak away uh, this weekend. We went and saw a 9:30 a.m. showing of Indiana yeah. Jones. <laughs> Oh, I heard it was so good. It's so good, you guys. I, I'm not going to spoil anything. I mean, maybe when this yeah. comes out, it's like old news, but it was super fun. We, I grew up on the Indiana Jones movies, all of them. Yeah. It was like a key text in our childhood, and I just, I loved every minute of it. I had a great time. Um, it's not as good as you know the originals from the '80s, but it's still totally worth it. And Harrison Ford is amazing, <laughs> like. Yeah, he's in the way on Apple TV. He's on the show Shrinking, also written by Brett Goldstein. Oh my gosh, Shrinking by Brett Goldstein. I've heard that so good. And Harrison Ford is so good in that show. It's so good. He's so good. I love him. Oh my gosh. Anything Harrison Ford, we highly, highly recommend. Um, You know, I just the eyes, the ears, really quickly. So he, um, this is totally our generation. The first time I went to Disney World, we went to Universal Studios. And um, one of the biggest attractions was the Indiana Jones Jones attraction. At Universal? They had one at Mm -hmm. Universal, huh? Yeah, in in Disney Disney World. World Listen, West Coast. In Florida. But I mean, so imagine like how long ago that was. (sighs) Oh, we're old because I was in third grade. Well, Anyways, okay. enjoy enjoy some of these. If you haven't checked enjoy. these out, we recommend all of these. Um, geek out on and anything. We would love to hear any of your recommendations as well. So yeah. carve out some little time for yourself, even if that's a 9.30 a.m. matinee. Yeah. You know, you might not want to eat the popcorn, but, you know. Or maybe pop, you do. Popcorn for breakfast. It's fine. It's fine. Go for it. Sneak in, sneak in a mimosa with it. You're good to go. <laughs> there you go. Good to go. All bases covered. Everyone, have a great day. Uh, please follow us on Instagram at Moms Talk Autism. You can email us at hello at Moms Talk Autism. We'd love to have your review on any of your podcast uh, platforms because that helps other people when they search uh, for an autism podcast, an autism parenting podcast, which is what we are. Uh, the more reviews you get, the higher up you become in those search um, engines. So that's why we need those reviews. And plus, we just want to hear from you. Uh, so have a wonderful day and, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.